Luke chapter 7 this morning, please. Luke chapter 7. And in Luke chapter 7, I'll begin reading in verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him, Jesus, that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisee, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed five hundred pence, and the other fifty. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with her tears, or with tears, and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint. But this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, Her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And, and he, Jesus, said unto her, Thy sins are forgiven. And they that sat at meat with them began to say within themselves, Who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, Jesus did, Thy faith 
has saved thee. Go in peace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your mercy upon this visitor who came to this dinner. That's what she came for, and you knew that. She came in faith believing, and you gave her that mercy that she came looking for. And Father, uh, I just pray, dear God, that uh, you'd fill me with your spirit and, and help me preaching the message this morning. Help my dear wife fill it with your spirit and relaying the message in sign. And thank you for those in the nursery filled with thy spirit watching the children. I thank you for the Sunday school hour, both for children and adults that has taken place here already this morning. Father, it's a wonderful thing to be in your house. It's a wonderful thing that when we get saved, our hearts are tuned. God, that we want to be in your house. We can rejoice in the, in, in the change that your spirit brings. Lord, I pray that we're thankful for those with us online. And I pray that as your word goes forth, that you'd speak to hearts. Some receiving this message may need to be saved. They don't know that their sins are forgiven. That be the case, I pray they get this settled today. Father, as believers, uh, we need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Thee. Lord, help us all to do that and to be more like You, uh, that we might glorify Your name and Help us to be careful to thank you and praise you. We do ask it in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus is invited to dinner at, at a Pharisee's house and uh, they learn some lessons, the Pharisee and his guests, I'm sure that... Uh, they weren't expecting to learn, or uh, at least hopefully some in the crowd <laughs> learned some lessons anyway. But there are certain, uh, certainly things that we can learn uh, from this dinner, from this woman who received this mercy from Christ. I've entitled the message this morning, Frankly Forgiven. Frankly uh, Forgiven. Uh, and uh, Simon the Pharisee and his guests certainly had an un- should have had, had realized they had to un, uh, an, un, a uh, priceless lesson unfold before them uh, at the dinner there, and so uh, the, this parable that's spoken. So, so through the parable of the two debtors, we see number one, uh, we learn first of all number one that mankind is bankrupt in sin. Mankind is bankrupt uh, in sin. And we'll look at a few points under that. We learn, first of all, that mankind is guilty. Does that need to adjust a little bit? Oh, there you go. That mankind is uh, guilty regarding sins of the flesh and sins of the spirit. Uh, this Simon the Pharisee, 
was having Jesus over to his house. Now, as we read about the Pharisees in the scriptures, uh, we find out uh, that the Pharisees in general were condemned by Christ uh, and uh, uh, for leading lives of pride and hypocrisy. Uh, we learn that uh, they were condemned uh, for pride uh, in their lives. And, and just, by the way, just because they're a Pharisee doesn't mean that that was the case. But we will see that this particular Pharisee had these problems, uh, and, uh, and they will apply you know, to Simon. He had some struggles, some things to learn. But sins of the flesh and spirit, uh, we learn a parable in Luke 18. Jesus speaks a parable. Uh, he spake a parable in certain, unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. So they've exalted themselves in their own view and they put others down in their, in their view. Jesus continues that parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee. Notice he uses a Pharisee. And the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even as this publican, I fast twice in the week. I get tithes of all that I possess. And as we read on, the publican standing afar off would not lift up so much as eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What did Jesus say? I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. So you see that Jesus holds up uh, the publican as an example of humility and, uh, the, and a Pharisee as being proud, thinking himself better than others. Uh, they were condemned in general by Jesus Christ for their pride. Uh, we see that they were condemned for hypocrisy. They were condemned uh, for their, their hypocrisy. <clears throat> In Luke 12, 1, uh, there was an innumerable multitude gathered uh, about Christ. And, uh, and he began to say to his disciples, first of all, uh, Beware ye of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. What is their teaching? What is their doctrine? Hypocrisy. Well, now, don't get me wrong. Uh, the Pharisees weren't saying, We want to teach you about hypocrisy today. They want you to follow. No, that wasn't the case. You see, they, they presented themselves as teaching the truth and, and, and following the truth, but they didn't do that or live it. And Jesus was frankly saying, here's what they are. Their doctrine is hypocrisy. Uh, and uh, they were uh, not even doing what they themselves said. In Matthew 23, 3, Jesus says to his followers and such, since the Pharisees were in a ruling position, uh, he says, all therefore whatsoever they bid you, observe. That observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. And that's a very good example of hypocrisy, right? Say and do not. Uh, their religion was all for outward show. Matthew 23, 5, all their works they do for to be seen of men. What a sad picture. Can you imagine? 
What does one scripture say? They, they have their reward. Everything that you do for the, to be glorified before men, the, the glory of men is all you get. There's no reward in heaven for that. What a sad thing. 2 Corinthians uh, 7.1 says, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, promises of God, helping us to be Christ-like, helping us to walk with Him. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You see, mankind's bankrupt in sin. We have sins of the flesh and spirit. We do things that are wrong and we have attitudes and such that are wrong. What else do we see about mankind being bankrupt in sin? Uh, we see mankind is guilty regarding B, sins of, of sins of commission and sins of omission. Things that we do we shouldn't, things that we don't do that we should. And we see that this woman in the city, uh, Luke 7, 37, uh, and behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, uh, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment. So uh, she's a sinner. Verse 39, now when the Pharisee, that Simon which had bidden him, saw it, uh, he says, uh, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is, touching him, for she is a sinner. And what does Jesus say in verse 47? Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many. We think about that. You see, uh, Simon perceived the immoral things this woman had done, which she should not have done. But he seemed oblivious to some good things he should have done, which he neglected to do. And Jesus was going to enlighten him uh, on, on those things. And so he addresses him. In verse uh, 44, he, he turns to the woman speaking to Simon and he says seest thou this woman I entered into thine house thou gavest me no water for my feet uh, she's washed my feet with tears thou gavest me no kiss he says verse 45 she's kissing his feet my head with oil thou didst not anoint she's anointing his feet with oil and he's showing uh, him some things that perhaps ought to convict him about some things that he should have done. In Jewish culture, it was customary, at least certainly uh, for an esteemed guest, uh, to be greeted with a kiss, to have the servant of the household uh, remove your sandals and wipe the dust from your feet, have oil, olive, uh, olive oil was provided for fre to freshen up, and again, especially if you're an esteemed guest. Uh, and we see, however, when Jesus arrived, he received no such welcome. Uh, no kiss, no water, uh, no oil, just a cold shoulder. Welcome. And, he, 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 and he's, he's, he's a dinner guest. What a sad thing. This is like uh, welcoming someone to your home without a greeting, without a handshake, 
without anyone telling you where to hang your wet coat. Kind of sad. Imagine how Jesus would have felt being treated like that. Uh, it was obvious by the things that Simon neglected to do uh, that he didn't love Jesus. Or at least he didn't love Jesus much. We think about that. I'll tell you a funny story. This was funny when it happened. Whether I can make it come out funny or not, I don't know, but we'll see. <laughs> My wife and I were traveling up north years ago before cell phones. And uh, we were uh, going to visit my family and we were going to stop by in South Carolina and visit some of her family while uh, on the journey too. On the way up, long story short, uh, someone at a gas station or a store cut up our credit card. Uh, we had problems with the credit card before we left. Made sure on the phone. Yes, it's all now. It's all straightened out. Now we're going on a trip. We need it. Yeah, we got it all straightened out. Yeah, they didn't, and uh, they cut up our credit card. And so uh, uh, we ended up uh, getting there. I don't remember. We must have had enough money to, to to get to the to the first destination. There we had uh, one of our uncles had had uh, had had given us some money. Uh, to make the rest of the trip and such. And the Lord enabled us to, to pay him back on that. We were very thankful for that grace uh, and God taking care of us, providing for us what we needed for the trip. Uh, but uh, I, we, we were young Christians then. I, I'm going to tell you, I wasn't very happy, okay? I was not very happy. But we got, but we got there and the Lord's kind of calming us down, you know. We, we get halfway there. Of course, we're late now because we had this big fiasco with the credit card and and we were, we were supposed to go over to dinner at uh, uh, her uncle's house. And she lived in Charlotte, South Carolina. And, her, and we were supposed to, to stop by and pick up her, her, her grandmother and come over to the house. Well, we're late. And we haven't seen her grandmother for a long time. And uh, so we finally get there, and I think, if I remember correctly, there was a winter storm uh, brewing, too. There's backed up traffic and all that, but we get to Charlotte. We finally get to the house. Her grandma, grandma opens the door and says, well, it's about time. Or finally, puts her head down, goes, goes, to, get, goes to get her jacket. <laughs> we, we just got looked at each other, you know, and uh, got her in the car, and... and uh, went over to the to the house to the house there to where we're having dinner and uh uh and she, and she was she was just having a bad a bad moment okay she wasn't like that all the time she's a good godly lady and you could tell by the ribbing that her family gave her about it during the dinner uh, we had shared. We were talking about it. It came up a discussion, and and uh, and and uh, and the greeting there and such, and and uh, uh, and one of her uncles uh, was 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 ribbing his mom about her, her grandmother, his mom about that during the whole dinner, you know, 
and uh, because she was angry at us because we were late, and he, and uh, and he was saying, his name's Chris, and he was he was saying uh, he'd look at his mom and say, "Mom, is it is it okay if I sit by Lisa here at the dinner table?" And yeah, and, and all throughout the day, you know, she she was getting rib, rib, ribbed about that because she, she didn't receive us, and and she and she took that was she understood she took that, and, and which gives you an idea of the of the play that goes back and forth there, but uh, but it was interesting. We didn't get the welcome what we were expecting. And, uh, but I want you to know that Jesus didn't uh, uh, get a very good welcome there, did he, at that place? He certainly should have been welcomed better than, uh, better than Simon uh, welcomed him. Uh, and, uh, and we need to remember, you know, are we better than Simon? No, we're not. In and of ourselves, as far as uh, 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 salvation and eating, we, we are what? We are bankrupt in sin. We have nothing to pay. Uh, to pay for our sins. Uh, Romans 3 9, what then? Are we better than they? No, in no wise. We before proved both Jew and Gentiles, they're all under sin. We're bankrupt in sin. Thank goodness God is gracious. Romans 5 8, but God commended his love toward us, and that while we are yet sinners, what? Christ died for us. Amen. While we're yet sinners, uh, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. 1 John 4.10 uh, We have sins of, of, uh, of commission and omission. What else do we have? We have sins. Mankind is guilty regarding open sins and hidden sins. Open sins and hidden sins. This woman's sins were open to all. They were open to all. The narrator of the uh, uh, of the uh, uh, of the the, the gospel, uh, Luke, the whole woman in the city which was a sinner, stated as a fact. Now, being it's worded this way, we understand this is not in par with Romans. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody fits that category except for Jesus Christ. What the saying in the, in the parable here is, is this woman is a known sinner. The way she lives, the people she hangs out with, the places she goes, it's common public knowledge this woman is living a, is living, was living a continual sinful life, making sinful choices. <clears throat> uh, so, the word declares it uh, in, in narration. <laughs> Behold, the woman, uh, a woman in the city which was a sinner. Simon perceives it by observation. Luke 7, 39. Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself. If this man were a prophet, uh, he would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. So Simon has observed, I, I, I know where I've seen this woman. You know, I've seen her flagging people down or where, whatever they do. You know, it's like, like, like the drug culture and such. How do they all connect? You know, they don't stand in the corner and say, drugs for sale here. What do we, there's not signs, but they have ways they communicate to do their sinful things, you see. And this woman was known uh, to be involved in a sinful life publicly. Uh, so Simon perceives it by observation. Uh, Bible maybe she was a prostitute. Maybe she was uh, involved in the drug culture. Maybe both. We don't know. But she was a known sinner. 
the, the, the word declares it narration. Simon proceeds by observation. And Jesus acknowledges it in her salvation. Luke 7, 47. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven. You see, her sins were open, weren't they? But she came to the right place. Uh, I, I like she she got on the she got on the 747 of salvation uh, 747 on the way to heaven look at Luke 747 wherefore I say unto thee her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much amen uh, the 747 of, uh, 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 of salvation uh, she was an open known sinner but you know what Simon Simon, he had some sins that only Jesus could see. Uh, he did doubt Jesus' authority. Now, this man, if he were a prophet, what? Would have known. This man apparently isn't all that they're saying he is. He'd have known about this, this woman being a sinner. So he's got that on the inside. And verse 40, Jesus answering uh, said unto Simon, Simon hath somewhat to say unto thee, and he saith, Master, say on. Inside he's saying he ain't what he thinks he, what he says he is. But when he's addressed, oh master, say on. What the, there's his hypocrisy. Uh, he gives him that, that honorary title, you know, but on inside he's thinking, yeah, yeah, he's not what they think, what, what they say he is. You see. But what Jesus in love was trying to show, was trying to teach Simon was that, 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 that Simon needed to know that he was a sinner too. And he needed Jesus just as much as that woman did. And our Lord was trying to teach him that. 1 Timothy 5.24 Some men's sins are open beforehand, going before to judgment. And some men they follow after. Uh, God works, thank God, to expose our sins. When the gospel is given to us, he puts his finger upon the sins in our hearts, doesn't he? And by the way, uh, he, puts his, uh, he puts his convicting power upon our open sins and our hidden sins, doesn't he? And he has no respecter of persons in regards to that. And he does that for our good because it's part of what? Leading us to salvation. We must confront our sins if we're going to be saved. We must realize that we're bankrupt because of our sin. We have nothing to pay, uh, to pay God. Mankind is bankrupt in sin. Number one. Number two, Jesus Christ is benevolent in salvation. Number two, Jesus Christ is benevolent in salvation. Look at verse 42. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. He just freely forgave them. He, he just forgave them. Now, wait a minute. Who's going to absorb the debt? Creditors uh, uh, lend money. They got to they got to get that money back. Well, Jesus absorbed the debt, didn't he? He frankly forgave them. You see, when you think about the parable, 
the amount of sin was not the issue. The issue was the, the nothing to pay. You see, they were equal on that ground. They each had nothing to pay. Neither one of them could pay uh, their debt. And it doesn't matter how much you've sinned, a little or a lot, you don't have enough. You don't have anything. You're bankrupt to pay anything toward the debt of your sin. And Jesus, but thank God, Jesus Christ is benevolent in salvation. You see, what are, our, what are, our, are the good things about us? And uh, we may think, uh, what do our good works amount to when it comes to salvation? If we think that we can uh, uh, purchase the salvation by living a good life or doing a certain amount of good works, Isaiah 64, 6, what? All our righteousnesses are as what? Filthy rags. Filthy rags. God won't accept that. There is only one thing. There is only one payment. There is only one currency for sin. Uh, sins of commission. Sins of omission. Open sins. Uh, hidden sins. All of them. There is only one currency. What is it? It's the blood of Christ. It's the blood of Christ. Peter writes in 1 Peter 1.18, uh, you know, you're not, you not redeemed or bought back or paid for with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, from your old life, whatever you were trusting in to get you to heaven or for God to recognize you as good, none of that got you any closer to God. But what are you bought and paid for with? With the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. That's it. That's the only currency. And if we don't have that, what? We're bankrupt. By the way, uh, we don't have sinless blood. Only one man ever did. And he was the Son of God who came to earth, Jesus Christ. But thank God he died for all. You see, in this, uh, uh, in this event here, one realized her bankruptcy and the other did not. The other one, only, only a little, you know. Surely I'll, I'll get caught up sooner or later. No, no. The one realized her bankruptcy, and the other did not. I think about Peter. He uh, was the first of the apostles to go and take the gospel to the Gentiles. And uh, he preached to Cornelius or he was used to open the door of truth to the Gentiles he preached to Cornelius and he saw Cornelius and the other Gentiles in his house get saved Peter no sooner finished preaching the gospel message the death, burial and resurrection of Christ and that all who would believe on him trust in him would be saved or justified he no sooner he got preaching that he didn't, couldn't even give an invitation. And he noticed that Cornelius and, and, and those in his household got saved. Uh, they became born again. Peter recalling that in Acts 15 some of the Jews were arguing with him saying no 
You can't just believe in Jesus Christ to be saved. You also have to become a Jew. You have to get circumcised and keep the law of Moses. And this has to be involved too. And Peter recalls the event where the Gentiles, who didn't do any of those Jewish things, he recalls the event where they got saved. And his response was this. He says, But we believe through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Even us Jews. The good, if the good things we were doing according to the law didn't matter for our salvation, do you think it matters for the Gentiles? <laughs> no, what did Peter realize? No, we need a benevolent Savior. We only get saved, why? Because we have a benevolent Savior who frankly forgives those who come to Him for mercy. And thank God for that. How can you do that? 1 Peter 2.24 Jesus Christ, who His own self bare our sins in His own body on the tree. That we, being dead to sin, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. See, when Jesus told that woman, Thy sins are forgiven thee, I doubt anyone in that room had an idea the price that he would pay to be able to say that. They didn't have a clue. Aren't you glad we, we know so much now we have the Bible? We have the completed word of God. Amen. We know the love that God has shown to us through Jesus Christ. We know the uh, amazing wonder of that love and what he accomplished for us on Calvary, dying for our sins and rising again. Titus 3.5 Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Not by our works of righteousness. You see, Jesus Christ is benevolent in salvation. What else do we see? Forgiveness requires a believing saint. Forgiveness requires a benevolent Savior. Forgiveness requires a believing sinner. A believing sinner. Look at Luke 7.50. He, Jesus, said to the woman, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. I like that. Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. Boy, it's so simple, isn't it? So valuable, so precious, yet so simple. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever what? Believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Amen. Uh, and thank God for that. Acts 16.31 What? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and what? Thou shalt be saved. Thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 17, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The word of God. How do you believe in Jesus Christ? You believe in the word of God. It teaches about him. When you believe the word of God, the word of God will tell you to believe in Jesus Christ. And when, then when you obey the word of God and believe in Jesus Christ for your salvation, like this woman did, that's when you get your sins forgiven. That's, that's when you get saved. 
a believing sinner. A believing sinner. <clears throat> People say, well, what's too easy? Just believe, you mean if I, if I just trust Christ as my Savior, I'm saved forever? Yep. Nah, it can't be that easy. Watch out, you're going to miss it. This is what the scripture says. Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. See, I've just declared unto you, as well as every gospel, uh, gospel preacher that sends out the message about salvation, that salvation is a free gift by faith in Jesus Christ. It's been declared. Here's the question. Will you believe? <laughs> Will you believe it? Watch out. Don't miss it. Don't try to add your baptism, make it necessary for salvation. Don't try to add your good church attendance, make it necessary for salvation. Don't try to add your good works, make it necessary for salvation. You'll miss it. Watch out. Behold, you despisers and wonder. Yes, many people do miss it because it's so simple. And it's human nature. Pride is in human nature. We want to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps in some way. In some way we want to, when we get to heaven, we want to know that we have, that we have earned it, that we have deserved to be there, uh, 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 trusting in something beyond faith in Jesus Christ alone. That's human pride. And God says, be careful, don't miss it. See, this woman had nothing to offer Jesus. Nothing. Jesus didn't say to her, well, just go do the best you can, you can and, we'll, and then we'll see how you do. He told, he told her to go away in peace. He said, your sins are forgiven. That's what she came for. For that mercy. Forgiveness requires a believing sinner. And then thirdly and finally, salvation is beautiful in sanctification salvation is beautiful in sanctification look at this woman comes to Christ she's a sinner she knew Jesus said it meet in the Pharisee's house she brought an alabaster box of ointment stood at his feet behind him weeping began to wash his feet with tears did wipe them with the hairs of her head kissed his feet, anointed them with the ointment. Jesus turns to Simon, tries to teach him a lesson about that. And he, Jesus says in verse 47, I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same uh, loveth, uh, loveth little. And he said to the woman, verse 50, Thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. Now, if you read the, the account there, Jesus said uh, that uh, regarding, her, regarding uh, her, her sin, her situation, he says, uh, Wheresoever I say unto thee, verse 47, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Jesus is not saying she's forgiven because she loved much. What did he just ask in the parable? 
if somebody's forgiven a lot of sins and somebody's forgiven just a few sins, who's going to love him most? Well, probably the one that's forgiven a lot of sins. You see, in the, in the account, the love follows the forgiveness. And the saying of Jesus fits the, fits the account. He's not saying that she loved, therefore she was saved. He was saying that she, that, that, uh, that she had a lot of sins, and, and so she believed and got saved. And uh, he's not saying she got saved because she loved. He's saying her love followed her salvation. See, somewhere before she ever got to him, in her heart she'd believed. I, th- I really believe many times, you know, we, we lead somebody to Christ and we'll tell them to say a printer's, teach them to say a, a sinner's prayer. You know, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and... You know, uh, I believe that you're the Son of God, and you died for my sins and rose again. Lord, you're perfect, and and I believe that for my sins, I deserve to die and go to a place called hell. Uh, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Uh, you said in your word, "Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Lord, uh, please save me and forgive me. I claim that promise, and so I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. You might pray a sinner's prayer like that somehow. But you know, when that's in your heart, whether you realize it or not, you you got saved before your mouth got done talking. (laughs) Because it happens in your heart. With a heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with a mouth, confession is made unto salvation. They are a they are a a mutual happening. They happen when when you believe in your heart, then your mouth confesses it. Why? Because you believed in your heart. They're, they're inseparable. Believing in your heart and your mouth confessing it. You see what I'm saying? And she loved much because she got saved. And she had been forgiven a lot of sins. And so to her, the benevolent Savior meant so much. And her love, by the way, was obvious. Salvation is reflected in the beauty of sanctification. Let's look at it. Uh, the greeting... Uh, she comes and uh, into the room there, and uh, he says, and she says, uh, <clears throat> verse thirty-eight. She stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and began to wash his feet with tears. So obviously, she's standing behind him. Perhaps he's reclined, eating, and obviously, at some point, she bows down because she's washing his feet with what? With her hair. So she bows down behind him there. <clears throat> and uh, she began to wash his, and stood at his feet and behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears. What did this woman do in repentance? She poured out her heart to the Lord. She's washing his feet with tears. She's repentant over her sins, the sinful life that she's lived. And by the way, she's thankful that she has such a one as, as this to come and call upon. That she knew she could walk in. And I believe she was trusting to get that mercy and forgiveness that she was going to ask, that, 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 that she was coming for. And she's weeping. She's pouring out her heart. She hath washed my feet with tears. 
We've heard it in here before. We'll hear it many times again. Psalm 51, 17. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a, a, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Oh God, thou wilt not despise. And she was broken and she spilled it out all over his feet, her tears. Salvation is reflected in the beauty of sanctification. Think about it. She poured out her heart at the Lord's feet. She poured out her glory at the Lord's feet. Look at Luke 7. She wiped them, his, his feet, her tears, uh, as, as the moisture, her hair, as, as, as the, 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 the cloth, so to speak. She wiped them with the hairs of her head. What does the Bible say about a woman's hair? 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen. But if woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. Her broken heart. And what has she done? She has taken her glory. And she's using it to clean the dirt. The, wipe off the dirt. And the, her, her, her broken heart is a tears. And her hair, which is, which is her glory. She is wiping her, cleaning the Lord's feet with her hair. You know what sanctification will do? We'll have a broken heart over our sin. And we will lay our glory down at Jesus' feet. Why? Because he deserves all the glory. Amen. You see, these things before, she probably used for her own. No doubt, uh, uh, she had, uh, uh, at times uh, when uh, it helped her get what she wanted, she had a nice hairdo. And, 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 and was attractive probably in that hairdo. Heard one preacher talking about how, how it's important to get baptized. And, and, uh, and, and some, some uh, godly Christian women reflect that. He says, you know, you can tell because you know they really mean it when they go down under the water with that, with that $150 hairdo. You know? and, uh, but the glory. And what did she do? She laid the glory at Jesus' feet. She laid the glory at Jesus' feet. What else did she lay at Jesus' feet? She was a sinner. Uh, uh, she brought an alabaster box of ointment. The alabaster was a stone commonly found in Israel. It was a hard stone resembling white marble. Uh, Ointment, oils, and perfumes used or were used to be put in the, put in this alabaster box, this stone type box vessel made, and, and and a lid would be put on it. Many times they would seal it with a wax and such, and it would keep a, the precious perfume from escaping. It was a beautiful, strong substance that would keep that perfume for this whatever special event it was being reserved for. And she brought that alabaster box. And she pours that at the feet. Uh, we're not told the value of her perfume. We are told later a very godly woman. Mary, uh, the sister of Lazarus. Poured out her perfume. From an alabaster box. And it, and it was worth about a year's wages. What did she do? She laid down her wealth. She laid down her heart to Jesus. She gave her glory to Jesus. She laid down her wealth at Jesus' feet. 
What a beautiful picture uh, of sanctification. And by the way, she's bowing. She's bowing. The Jewish culture, they would you'd greet a stranger. You'd ask the welfare back and forth of how each other's doing. Uh, when, when, remember when Joseph's brothers came to Egypt and they didn't recognize him, so they thought they were strangers each. What did they do? They, Joseph asked them of their welfare back and forth. How's your father? Blah, blah, blah. How's, how's, that, that's what you did with strangers. How's your family? How you doing? Another uh, Jewish uh, a greeting was, was the kiss in the cheek. And that was, that was often for someone, for family, someone f- more familiar was the kiss in the cheek. Then the other was bowing. This was, more, this, this was a reverential greeting. This was for one uh, who, who you wanted to esteem. Jacob bowed seven times coming to Esau when he thought that his life uh, might be in danger at the hands of Esau. She bowed before Christ. And she poured out her heart. She poured out her wealth. She poured out her glory. What else did she pour out? She poured out her affection. Holy, in holy and humble worship. Look at verse 45. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. She, she was pouring out her affections this time in a humble and holy manner. No doubt she had poured those out in a sinful manner as her way was in things, uh, in, in, in all things beforehand. But now what? They're for the Lord. They're for the Lord. They're for the Lord. What a blessing. What a blessing. And you know, what an example for us no doubt her money, her hairdo, her wealth, her affections when she was a sinner. It sounds like she was all in as far as being a sinner goes because she was a known sinner. But when she got saved, what did she do? She wanted to become a known Christian. <laughs> she poured it out at the feet of Jesus. What does Paul command us to do? In Romans 6.19 I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto, unto iniquity even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. That's exactly what she did. That's exactly she gave it all she got at the sin thing and everybody said she's a sinner all right and now you know what she poured it all at Jesus feet and Jesus was able to publicly tell her your sins are forgiven what go in peace now all knew <laughs> whether they wanted to believe it or not but Jesus declared her forgiven and God help us to live a life a life like that amen in the, in the beauty of of sanctification because God has wrought such a wonderful salvation for us uh, through faith in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessings and goodness. God, uh, we're thankful that you have poured out your love to us 
in Christ Jesus. You so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son. When you gave us Jesus, you were handing us your love, your offer of unconditional love to us. All we have to do is be the believing sinner that receives it. Receive it by faith. Anyone can do it. Father, uh, we have the ability, even in our unregenerate state, to trust in things. And that's all faith is. And when an unregenerate person takes the trust they might put in their money, the trust they might put in their friend, even though the friend may have betrayed him multiple times, the trust they might put in an airplane pilot to get them to where they're going, and someone takes that same trust and puts it in Christ alone, turning in their hearts from their sin for that forgiveness and places it, that trust in Christ alone. Lord, as you said to that woman, you told her thy faith has saved thee. You trusted. You came. You trusted. And Jesus forgave. Anyone can do that. Father, I pray that anyone receiving this message who's not yet done that would do that. Ask God to forgive them for their sins. Ask Jesus Christ to forgive them. Thank Jesus Christ for dying on the cross for them, rising again, believing he is the perfect son of God. And Lord, the moment uh, they realize that they can be saved from their sins, the wages of sin is death, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Father, there's no one that wants to go there. And anyone could be delivered in the way we've just spoken. And I pray that they would do it. I thank you for each one of us who have already. And if we have, it's because of that and only that, that we've done that. But now we are debtors. We're not trying to earn salvation. Uh, we've been given salvation. And therefore, we're debtors to the grace of God. We didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us. If we've trusted him. And so now, we ought to live. We ought to love. And we ought to uh, labor for Jesus Christ in this life now. Help us to do that. I thank you for this church. I was thinking this morning, before we came, I was thinking and praying for each person here today for those that are with us online and uh, others that can't be with us. I was praying for them, thanking for the times we can be together. And I was thanking this morning as I sat on my couch, getting ready to leave. I was thanking you that I wanted to be in church this morning. Many that I used to run with wouldn't give church a second thought wouldn't give spiritual things a second thought. And Lord, you make that change. When you save us, you change our desires and you help us to seek you and, and know the joy of life more clearly, more abundantly. And Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that I see that in the lives of your people.
we desire that for each other. We desire that for all those who, who would visit us and who would, who would watch us online as visitors. And that our beloved online as well would re- receive the edification that we receive here in the meetings as, as we gather together and as those that are online that can't be here gather with us in, the, in, in, in that media. We thank you for it. And Lord, help us just to praise your name, love you more. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.